Good morning, everyone, and welcome to All Things SR Podcast. Today's lovely music is inspired by the chapter. Uh, I was going to do Donovan, but that might be a little bit too old for a lot of people, so (laughs) we did John Williams instead. (laughs) (laughs) Shell notes, Superman and Lois Lane. Oh, God bless them all. And Leslie, how are you doing? I'm holding up, Pam. Thanks so much for asking. As, as most of you probably have heard, my mother passed on Monday. Um, it was a bit unexpected, even though she's been in decline for quite some time. Um, but she took a really hard, fast turn um, on Sunday. And as you know, I was at the Penn State uh, dance, uh, Penn State Thon. Um, my friend w- works for Four Diamonds, the charity. She actually leads the charity that um, receives the funds uh, in order to ch- fight childhood cancer and support families with cancer. So it was really, really uh, shocking, and I was mitigating this turn from outside of the Bryce Jordan Center at Penn State. Um, So uh, fortunately, um, I have an extraordinary friend who, friends have carried me through, friends and family have carried me through, all of you guys have carried me through. I'm getting, I'm trying to respond to every single kindness that has been written towards us and I'm getting through them, but I'm, I'm behind. So thank you. Um, it's just really hard. Um, it's harder than I thought is what I, I, I told people because I've, I've, I've grieved a lot of people in our life and, um, I think for me, part of it was the fact it was so fast. I was bracing for it. I actually, Anna, you'll appreciate this. I uh, reached out a couple weeks ago to a, a grief counselor um, that a friend of mine used to get through her loss. And they, of course, had a backlog because, you know, everybody always has backlogs in therapy. Um and the irony is, but the, the blessing and the irony is I got the call that they had an opening while I was at the funeral director's office. So um, that was, that's really good because I'm going to get to talk to them next week and, you know, assessing, processing it all. But what is hard is also good. All the good memories, all the good photos, you know, you're going through the whole process. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I, and I'm sleeping well, but I'm just exhausted, right? Your soul is tired and so it's the emotional, the mm-hmm. physical, and I'm doing absolute. all the things I can for self-care, um, wa- drinking water, yoga, Pilates, taking walks, deep breathing, reading, all the things. Um, so, and, and honestly, just having everybody and having the Christmas clock 
<laughs> in our life. <laughs> so, um, we all need a little Christmas clock in our mm-hmm. lives <clears throat> sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's. Um, I'll actually, one thing I did, we were finalizing the obituary, so. I'll share it with you guys when we have it, but there is a link. My mom was very active in um, environmental causes and got very, um, has always been an active um, gardener and got even more active with um, efforts uh, to bring attention to health effects and the effects of new nuclear power after the Three Mile Island accident, which was six miles from where I grew up. Um, So I'm going to put a link, and I don't know if there's a paywall or not to the story, but there is a link uh, about what my mom, my mom's work and the fact that she actually was able to, um, some of the collection of her samples were um, are now in the Smithsonian Institute. They they accepted them so future researchers can examine um, the specimens. So, well, didn't didn't you send a bunch of her papers to somebody at the University of Michigan? Yes, yes, uh, Lynn um, at Michigan. Yes, so people are researching what she's done and things like that. So. Yes, and and Anna's has great words. There's just been so many kindnesses um, mm-hmm. from all of you out in podcast land. So, uh, Elena notes: No matter how much you think you may be ready for it, it's never easy when the time comes. Losing one's mom is a very big loss. And Anna says it gets less raw. That's all I can say. My mom passed suddenly on her 91st birthday. Let yourself just feel whatever you feel. And honestly, Anna, I have been, I've been, you know, for me, it's easy to just bury myself in work and work through things. But I'm really, I I worked very, I hardly worked at all this week. There was like a couple things I pushed through. But for the most part, we, um, you know, have just been going through the process of getting preparing things for the service. Um, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate and it's been a blessing compared to when my mother-in-law passed. Um, my mom prearranged a lot of things. So mm-hmm. I pretty much had everything, all the major things mapped out by the end of Tuesday, <laughs> which is shocking. So, um, but raw is the perfect word. That's what I've been saying, how I feel. So I, I was, the way, when you said that, Anna, that really caught my eye. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm heartbroken, but at peace. So, oh, that's sweet, Shell. She said, my sister and niece send you strength and healing support as well. Thank you. And big, I, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling the love. I will tell you that, because that's really what's been extraordinary and that's what's gotten so many of us in sr land through tough times oh yeah definitely i can speak that for that personally 
I know. Yeah, you know, with Patrick, if it hadn't been for the community, I, I don't think I could have fully gotten through everything that I went through. You know, my friends here, and and, uh, and of course, I had my sister and brother-in-law with me, and Patrick's former wife and daughter, and all. But it just the the community was a huge, huge help. Yes, and I have to say, um, SR sent a lovely note of condolence to me um, via email, and um, just the fact that. He took the time, was really appreciated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I have to, you know, one of the things I was, I was mentioning to my family was I'm so grateful. I shouldn't say grateful, but I was planning this whole backup plan you know, I, I mentioned I'm going to be in Florida before going to PassionCon for work. And I was very aware, uh, as my friend Maureen, um, who's a nurse who's helped, who has been helping me through this process as well, uh, man- navigating my mom's health um, issues. She said, your mom seems to like to do things when you're out of town. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, she really does. And so I was worried. I, I've been and I was trying to make all these alternate plans while I was in Florida. I was going to do, you know, trip insurance and have to do a backup for all my job things. And now I can streamline and not have to have that as a. I was I was really worried about that. To be true, I, I was worried I was going to be at Passion Con and get called. So that's one minor blessing in uh, in this as well. Um, and and I, and I remember sunshine what, at the end of this is really lovely too. Sunshine is very cleansing. Mm-hmm. It very is very helpful. It is. But I I remember when we were in Boston, you were uh, with your mm-hmm. mom, yeah. and there was there you know you were had a lot going on there too. Exactly, and then you're navigating yeah. and mitigating things from afar. I was in right. Washington D.C. when she got hospitalized for an infection. Um, for work, you know, I, I, a lot of these things were work trips when I, and I don't travel much for work. So it was just like, that was hard because I wasn't sure if I needed to leave immediately or not. And I ended up coming, I ended up going up. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard and I'm just, you know, it's, it's this part of life. It's the circle of life. It's, it's something that we all know. Um, and I'm just grateful that we had her as long as we did, you know? Yep. And I am seeing some really lovely posts here. Lori says, Leslie, you know, I'm still feeling raw from my mom's loss. I'm praying for you. I am going to be driving into town, but I'll be listening love to all of you. Thank you, Lori. Be careful driving on your way. Yes. Um, and Anna said, it's after the Don't service. Don't get behind when any tractor Everyone's gone. That you can then feel for yourself and your personal loss. You can then honor your own personal relationship with your mom on your own away from the public responsibility. Yes, Anna, that's a great, really great point. And that's what we're doing. A healing journey, but I'm making sure I'm feeling in order to have the healing. Because if you just bury it, it does, you bury your feelings, it doesn't do anything. 
Um, You're right. You can't bury the feelings either. Mm-mm. I mean, there's a, it can come out later. I mean, in a very repressed way, and which is not healthy for you too. So that I have learned. So I thought, um, you know, I know that SR had sent a uh, a very nice, uh, you know, mention of of Leslie for the podcast today, and and. Uh, he just wants to know that uh, he's he, he he understands the pain and he expressed his uh, condolences to Leslie, and uh, he uh, he he knows he knows yeah he uh, he fully understands what's going on. So he said that he's received a lot of messages through social social media expressing concern, support, and prayer. Tosca had uh, directly tweeted him wanting to reach out to you and that there was, an, he wanted to make sure he, he knew that there was an outpouring of support from around the world and readers are remembering you and your family and their prayers. And he was sorry to hear of your brother because I know that that's. Oh, yes. I, I didn't mention that. My mother's service is going to be Friday. And that will be 10 years to the day where my brother was killed in a car accident. And the other poignant fact to that is it was at his service when someone pulled me aside and said, I think your mother is exhibiting signs of Parkinson's disease. So that kind of started us on her health journey um, as well. So it's very serendipitous. Yes, it is. Things do work out some sometimes in a very strange way. And I've, I've heard a lot of stories from different people about people in their lives that have passed that seem to be working with them after their passing. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you're all, to, they're, they're all surrounding you with their love too. Yes. It's, it's been extraordinary. It really has been. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of SR. Yes. From and, the, SR and that's world. why I wanted to do the podcast today, too. You were part of my family, and this is such a great space to be together. Um, so, I wanted to be here with you today. We're, you know, and we're glad that you are. I know, um, I can only remember my own podcast after Patrick and, and that was, I was up in the air about that until like half an hour before the podcast actually started. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very helpful group of people that we're with and it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to express your feelings with this group of people because we were such a loving community with everybody. We can um, also thank SR for uh, his Latin reading. He posted uh, about chapter one last Wednesday, and we are to be reading chapter two, which I did start, and I'm like shocked at how huge this chapter mm. is. 
It's about, it, it's longer than one of uh, <laughs> Game Boy <laughs> <One> of, <laughs> It's longer than chapter uh, yeah. 32? <laughs> uh, 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 well, let me put it this way. I think this would be a 10-parter. <laughs> 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 mm. It's a book into of itself, chapter 2. Well, and, <laughs> and I'm, I did start. Um, I am putting in uh, to view the blog. I'm putting the link in. Um, I actually am re I'm going to read. I didn't I didn't start reading, but I am going to read and catch up because I think that'll be also part of a, a good part of my healing. Well, I'm, I'm finding it. I'm finding it fascinating. Um, I, I know a lot of people get different things of what they read, but you know, I, I look at my own spiritual journey in life, and I'm looking at this story, and there's some there. Are, there were similarities, and, and again, that's generalized it. A lot of people will feel, but the learning how to pray, uh, a part of it was was enlightening to me only because I have had friends, and my granddaughter, act like right, mm -hmm. come to me and say, um, how do you pray? Aww. And, and, you know, it's so... Base, you know, a lot of people will say, well, here's a prayer book, read these and, you know, read the Bible and do this and do that, which is wonderful. That's all well and good. But I also think that prayer comes from the heart and should be just having basically a conversation with God. And uh, to me, that is the most powerful of prayer. Yes. And I've, uh, I've also learned that when, you know, like a lot of people, when we get into trouble and we have hard things happening in our life, we always pray for the positive outcome of for ourselves. And a lot of times those prayers aren't answered in the way we like to hear them answered, but they are answered no matter what. So I've, I've, uh, I've had, I've, I've, between my sister and I, we have guided my granddaughter into many things to look at and to read and she's very appreciative of them and I know that from friends who's uh, who have, have been going on their own spiritual journeys they have found their a lot of them have found their way some of them have found it lost it and found it again so it, it's a good that thing. is a good thing so this that is a good thing and I um you know, I, I just saw Anna noted when both Alan and my mom passed, we stayed normalized with hockey the next day. Staying grounded in your personal normal is important. And I, I'm really glad to hear that. That's what I thought, too. You know, there are certain things I do every day um, that I've started doing. Um, I'll, I'll do some yoga stretching in the morning. I'll read. Um, I, I've been reading. Uh, books by uh, a local author here called Tanya Burroughs. I'm putting her website in. Um, it's romantic suspense. And she writes really well. Um, and she also is, all of her books have, um, I, I think they're all dog focused. There, There's always an, an, a pet or an animal who is, plays, you know, plays a role. Um, and I've just, I've found them really good. And I, I you know, I just continued on with that as well, because it's nice to have that little bit of normalcy. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, loving the stories like I do. Um, that's been, it's been really, um, it's been a really good thing. So, and, and, and Anna, I wanted to mention too, just an aside, I had not been to a Penn State hockey game 
um, Penn State men's hockey game, and I went on Saturday uh, or Friday night, and it was a beautiful. I've been inside the arena before, but um, it was crazy because Michigan scored two goals in the first 61 seconds. It was stunning. <laughs> Penn State did come back, but they ended up losing anyway, five to three. But um, I have never seen two goals scored in that short a period of time. It was pretty stunning. It's a rarity. Yeah, it's a rarity. Mm -hmm. That was even on Morning Joe last week, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Lemire and, and Joe Scarborough and Willie Geist, when they get together, they all start talking mm -hmm. sports and make it goes off the wall because we should be doing the news. <laughs> But they did. Bring oh yeah, it, it was it was you stunning. Know. Like I, <laughs> our jaws just dropped. <laughs> the first goal was scored so quickly, I didn't realize it was scored. And then the second one came, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, there were two. Uh, it was crazy. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. one of the things that I found grounded me more so after Jim died than Patrick was that I had to try to stay normal. I decided that every morning, no matter what, come hell or high water, mm -hmm. I was making the bed. Didn't matter. I was making that bed because at least I accomplished one thing during the day. And it's funny because I know that there was a Navy admiral who wrote about that a couple of years later about making your bed. And, and, and I think he said it at a commencement speech as well. But, yeah, so... It's good to do, make, get as normalized as you can. Of course, when I would come home at night, the bed would be turned down for a month. But don't ask. That was that was very difficult mm -hmm. to deal with it. You're coming home from work and finding your the husband's side of the bed's turned down so gently and so neatly. I know. You know it, I think that's incredible. It was weird. <laughs> I think that's incredible. It was weird. So. Anna says it's very difficult for me for for because of my crisis in faith, the Catholic Church priest abuse that is totally against what my life career is about, and my more and more literal thinking makes me jealous of those that get comfort from prayer and faith. My Catholic upbringing makes me afraid of how I feel. And Anna, having gone through Catholic school for uh, nine years. I did three years in public school before I went to, back to Catholic school. I can totally understand that. And it was, I did break away from the church for a long period of time. And then when I married my husband, um, we decided that uh, we wanted to have some sort of religion in our family. So my husband was an Episcopalian. And so we went to the Episcopal church for many years. And, uh, the, they're very similar, but they're a lot more welcoming, I, I felt, um, or at least the church that I went to. Mm -hmm. We had a female priest, and she was lovely, and, and she became a very good friend. And uh, in fact, she's in Williamsburg. You know, oh, and, nice. And, Let's go and visit her. She, um, exactly. And uh, in fact, it was seven years ago we went to uh, Williamsburg, by the way. I know. I saw that pop up. And last year we were coming yeah. back from the set visit. From, uh, from Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
but um, it was just amazing for me to uh, to feel the differences. And so while I'm, I don't go to church regularly, I'm not there every Sunday and every holy day of obligation. I, you know, I feel in my heart where I should be. And that's, that's what I, I deal with. Yeah. And I, I mentioned that too. I, you know, I joined the church when I married my husband, I joined the Catholic church, but I've always been, um, I've always believed in God and I've, I've gone and attended many churches. I was kind of looking and examining at different faiths, not just Christian, but all of the faiths I've, I've looked at and learned about in some way. Um, I shouldn't say all, but many. And um, I definitely struggle with the priest abuse issue. Um, my husband and I pretty much pulled back from attending the Catholic mass. Um, but, you know, I also, I go back and forth because, um, and, and I, I've gone to a lot of Episcopalian because my kids went to Episcopalian church. So for me, it's been more about having faith and having that conversation with God directly, as you mm -hmm. say, Pam. Um, but it's, it's, it's a struggle. Um, it is. Uh, and Shell says, strength to you, Anna, with my distrust and lack of respect for priesthood in the church itself. I separate the Lord from the institution. There is where my faith is. That's a really good way to put it, Shell. That's, mm -hmm. but I also feel like you can attend mass. I mean, there are good priests too, right? So it's, it's, it's more the idea and that's kind of where I struggle with, um, with the whole thing. Um, well, it's the the rituals, too. I mean, when you think about it, the, the whole ritual of, of a mass mm -hmm. is, it's consistent. Right. And it's like, you, it's, but, but what my, my problem is, is it's, it's my way or the highway. And I get upset with that because, I'm, I mean, I've had people tell me that because you're not Catholic, you'll never get to heaven. And I'm like, no. well, there's going to be a hell of a lot of good people that aren't, in heaven then because you know there are a lot of good people that are not Catholic right. so we don't know I mean we just don't know and who are we as no. human beings to, to define everybody's fallible mm -hmm. you know um, right Shell says I never understood the middle man I go straight to the source there so, you go there I don't know I mean I've I've been I shouldn't say I haven't been to any masses I have been to some masses but um you know, I go back and forth. Elena says, I started out as a child in a Pentecostal church. Talk about a trip was away for years, came mm -hmm. back to a congregational. And I've been with a Methodist church for 18 years. None of them are perfect, but your own beliefs will keep you grounded. I agree exactly. with that. And Shell says, this goes back to my childhood, making me go to confession before communion. Um, mm -hmm. So I, you know, Elena, I hit I hit most of those. I was at a faith evangelical congregational church. I was at a Methodist church for a while. Um, it's interesting that those are the ones you hit. Um, I know my friends would joke that the Episcopalians are Catholic light. Um, yeah, I get so, that too. Yeah, well, you find find what's right for you. You know. That's right. Um, according to Dante, Betty says, true. even Virgil didn't make it to heaven because he wasn't baptized. So, 
And Anna says, I've read all three of the attorney general reports in Pennsylvania. I've interviewed and treated victims. I truly believe it's from the Vatican downward. I can't accept the cover-up and how it's been allowed. I hate Easter the most, the gruesome crucifixion. You don't have to send your child to die for me. I don't want that confession is another farce. So, and I think, Anna, I mentioned to you, I actually do know someone who was in the presentments. Um, I went to high school with a girl whose family all... All of the children were victims. So it hit well, I, a little knew, closer to home. I, I knew one of me the priests who happened to be be the superintendent of the Archdiocese School District. Mm. And I he was in my parish. And then I moved away. And then and while what? this came out, I was living in New York. So we had our own issues up there. And when I came down one time, my sister had mentioned it to me, and I was like, Monsignor Ball? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Yep. So, and yeah, the cover up is what did it. Yeah. Um, For everybody. Yeah. It's horrible that any of it happened. I mean, my, my cousin Eddie was a victim of, mm-hmm. of that um, when he was in elementary school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was a altar boy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, and, you know, and, and the confession communion thing. I mean, I, I was, got, received my first communion in New Jersey because we didn't live in Philadelphia at the time. We were living in Haddonfield, New mm-hmm. Jersey. And for me, the, um, we did that in first grade. Mm-hmm. So you're six years old and you're told you have to go to confession. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that. Hold on a minute, because I've got Miss Mayor here. Everybody say hello to hello, Miss Mayor. Mayor. Hello, Mayor. Everybody says hi, Mayor. Hi. Hold on. <laughs> say hi. Hi, Mayor. <laughs> Good to hear your voice. Hi. <laughs> so what are you and Mayor doing today? Just hanging out, going out, um, going to church and dinner. Great. That will be fun. Yep. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Everybody's so, saying hi in the chat. Everybody says hi to you, Mayor. Um, I, I do one other thing. I, I mentioned I was at Dance Marathon last week, and I'd be remiss without putting the um, – I wanted to share some good news uh, since we were – talking about such heavy things this morning and then we can turn into the talk about the chapter and talk about any mm-hmm. other news SR had um, last year they dancers uh, raised the students raised 15.2 million I believe and this year, there were over 16,500 volunteers, wow. and they raised $16.9 million. They raised more than a million than last year, well over a million. Almost, they raised almost $17 million, which is incredible is incredible yep yeah so i want to let me i will put in the chat um 
the organization and you can check it out. But that, that is when you're inspired. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. They didn't just raise what they did last year. They far exceeded it. So um, That's awesome. That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. It's good things. It reminds you that there's a lot of goodness in the world. Absolutely. So, um, as far as other news from SR, he was, uh, he, he says, readers have been asking for an update about Gabriel's promise. He says he doesn't have an update. Um, I've also been asked about the release of the DVDs of Gabriel's Redemption. He does not have any news on that. He apologizes either. But I'll be sure to pass along the news when, he ha when I have it. Um, he says, I suspect you all might hear things at PassionCon, and then you'll be able to update me with a, a big smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put the little bit of news in here so you can see. And of, and, and of course, he continues to write. And Betty had a question earlier about how does he read and write the novel at the same time. And um, AI compartmentalization, um, <laughs> discipline to your art. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure he sets a certain amount of time, and I think he said this at one time. He sets a certain amount of time a day to write so that he can get, get things in. Mm -hmm. um, if you notice, he really hasn't been online that much. Uh, you know, maybe a couple times a week he'll come and pop in. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so he's, he, you know, he's getting, getting the stuff done that he has to get done. And that's because he's hoping for a release this year. So that'll be good. Oh, that'll be really, really great. And Betty's mm -hmm. saying, one thing for mm -hmm. sure, the DVD will come out in 2024. I'm hopeful. That, that well, <laughs> I have not ordered any And Shell says, I'm sorry, but people got to stop hounding SR. We'll know when or if it happens, when it happens. Exactly. A million percent. Exactly. A million you know, percent. Show. I, I, I know that so many people want promise to happen, and as a continuation of the Gabriel uh, movie series, you know, it, 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 I, I don't really think there's that much to continue. I, it's, it's a very short time capsule of their life mm -hmm. that SR decided to write for the fans. So I, you know, I. I it, doesn't cor doesn't correlate to a lot of things in, in most cases except there is a the only thing that I can see is the William influence that came through with the relic and that got dropped off and um, then at the end and I'm not going to give any spoilers away on that so but other than that you know people are going to want what they want and that's that's okay people are allowed to do that mm -hmm. but that, you know, I, I don't, if you ask anybody from Passion, Passion Flex or SR, they will always sound hopeful, mm -hmm. but nothing has been signed, so. That's true. I'll just leave it at that, and, and I know that there are some people who are not on the podcast at the moment who do get very upset with that, and, you know, that's okay, too, but you got to let people be what they're mm -hmm. So. And Betty says, the most important question is, will there be a special behind-the-scenes video focused on Paul on the DVD? <laughs> Shell says, for your sake, Betty, I hope there is for you. 
<laughs> I hope there's a good outtake of James. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Speaking of the devil, he, I know he's been filming something. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, I, I know that Eric Roberts was in this. I think he plays a, a, a father uh, going back for support to court to support for his kids or something in that area. I don't know the whole story, but I'm looking forward to seeing him at uh, PassionCon and digging a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. And Betty wants the Florentine series. Oh, yeah. A lot of people That do. would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. I, I think it might be a little bit expensive for them as far as the filming goes because of all the CGI work that would have to be done. Mm -hmm. But we shall see what we shall see. We will learn. <laughs> Yeah. So. So. Oh my goodness. There's a lot to uncover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that there is. A lot to uncover in this chapter too. And Elena mm -hmm. says, "I'll take TMI TBS." Yes, the man in the black yeah, suit. Yeah, the man in the black suit. Yep, I think that would be an easier one to film for sure. And I volunteer to be an extra on Santorini. Uh, yep. It would be a sacrifice I'm willing to make. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I suggest that Christian Vitt play Nicholas. <laughs> I think he would be a good Nicholas. He's got that menacing look mm -hmm. that he would have to have at some points of his story arc. But I think there's also there could also be a tenderness there that he doesn't get to show very often in his work. Yeah. That might be fun. Yeah, I'd, ha I'd have to see. I'm, I, I envision, I envision Nicholas to be physically looking different, but I think obviously I think Christian's really talented. I think he could definitely portray him. Um, mm -hmm. The dressing drown, <laughs> the man in black suit shell said the dressing down of the rude woman at the hotel. I know. And Bay said, what about mm -hmm. a quickie with Snarky for fashion flicks? I think that would be fun. That would be hysterical. <laughs> I would love that. That would be great. That would be so much fun. That would be so much fun. Yeah. So He'd be filmed in <laughs> Vegas or on a beach with a sombrero. <laughs> oh, I think I have that picture. <laughs> oh, that picture's out there. My oh, Nicholas, Betty I... says, is the actor from Lucifer. Yes, Tom. Mm. Alice. Alice. Who is also in a new Netflix show, I believe. Did you see that? Did you see that? I did not Tom see Tom Ellis is in a new Netflix show. I don't remember the name of it, but I saw it and I was very excited. And he's he's wearing he's a in a beard for this. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um anyway, check it out. I wanna check it out because I do enjoy Tom Ellis very much. He's great. I think he was on a TV show called Being Human. Probably. At one point, I think it was it was a combination of a ghost and a vampire. Mm -hmm. I know and way back somebody uh, else Susie they... from in Australia thought he would also be a, a good candidate for Gabriel. Way back in the day, he would have been. Yeah, she yeah, she yeah. was touting him as one of the actors for that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's he's really good. If you haven't seen any of his work, check him out. Um, so we should start the chapter.
We Which is, which is another chapter in many parts. Um, and as you know, Julia and Gabriel have been at a very uh, difficult place. Uh, Gabriel's mute, kind of mulling things over and is, is really upset and preoccupied with something that he's not sharing with Julia. So that is how the chapter begins. Julia's reflecting on their time, and she said, starts that she was not a psychologist, but she's gone through therapy and she was familiar with the 12 step program. <laughs> and yes, Betty, another groundhog chapter. <laughs> yes. Um, she also tried very hard not to diagnose people, but it was hard to do with Gabriel. There was something bothering him and it was bad enough that it was causing him to return to old habits, which concerned her. She suspected it might have been due to the news from Tom and Diane, but she wasn't certain. There could be a connection or it could be merely coincidental. And without knowing what was wrong, it was difficult to help or comfort him. It was like a dark cloud hanging over them despite Gabriel saying everything was okay. She knew better and his unwillingness to share hurt her. And as their time in Umbria was nearing an end, she prepared for the trip to Florence. And she decided if he did not confide in her by the time they returned to Cambridge, she would take matters into her own hands. Um, and Shell says, Shell go ahead. <laughs> she's, she encouraged a bad habit. Now she's concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, we asked SR, uh, Gabriel needed, indicated he needed a little time before telling Julia what was bothering him. Why is Julia reluctant to give him time? And he said, I think part of the conflict between Gabriel and Julia is a clash of coping mechanisms. Julia wants to talk things through and Gabriel wants to have an action plan before he divulges the problem to her. They're still teaching each other. And although they have come very far in their journey through hundreds of pages, <laughs> it's actually been a short time since they met in Toronto, got married and found themselves at this current crossroads. I think that was very insightful. Gabriel's approach is figuring things out and then talking about it. And she wants to fig just talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought, well, I, I laugh at those things because it always reminded me when I first got married and my husband would say to you, say to me, what's wrong? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> and I'd be acting out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, to his point, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. learning each other. They're right. still teaching each other. Um, you know, and they need Anna's couch. So oh, well. <laughs> I do. And Betty seems to think it's because she's now insatiable and wants to have afternoon delight every five minutes. But that's Hey, I ride I would I would ride along on that theory any day, Betty. Go for it, Julia. <laughs> with a husband like Gabriel who wouldn't want to be with him twenty four seven. Um and Shell says he's an intellectualist, thinking is what he does. So yeah. So during the previous summer, Gabriel had volunteered at the Franciscan Orphanage during his separation from Julia. Um, and so they, you know, 
we are switching now to the their ending time and getting ready, preparing to go to Florence. And Gabriel was not the best volunteer. He gave rather than took direction. Easy to see, right? Um, our oh, alpha yeah. male there. He did not hesitate to change things or demands of the orphanage or the facilities or the food. And when the staff protested, because they explained, you know, they would like to do these things. They just didn't have the money. He simply paid for them himself. Um, honestly, I've worked in several nonprofits. That is the kind of volunteer I actually would like, <laughs> even though he, he was making himself a little bit um, bo- bossy and annoying. Um, the fact that he would be willing to pay to supply these changes, you know, you would want someone who would work with you and be collaborative, not dictatorial. But um, I just, I love. I the, think he might have been a little bit of both. Yeah, I though. think he probably was. While Father uh, Silvestro welcomed these donations, he was relieved when the Franciscans at Santa Croce suggested that he would be better suited to give tours and lectures on the life of Dante. That's one of the things you have to do at a nonprofit. You have to harness your volunteers best and highest purpose. Father Silvestro was delighted to meet with Julie in August, hoping she would moderate her husband's aggressive charity. I love how (laughs) I know, I do too. I love that phrase. (laughs) Oh gosh. Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. Yeah, what are we going to do? So when the Emersons arrived at the uh, orphanage, they were met by the director and his assistant, Elena, and a group of, of small children. And the ages were like between the ages of four and eight. And uh, they were introduced as Zia Julia and Zio Gabriel. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) That is cute. And they showered her with flowers and gave her drawings and bright colors. And all all the drawings had like smiling children. You can see that. Yes. (laughs) And as Shell says, still salty that she doesn't cherish the fact that he grew as a person during her separation. And continued to push for what she thought was best. Mm-hmm. Betty notes the monks in Florence are thinking, here we go again, God, please help us. And Grandma's ah. grace and patience <laughs> with this one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Shell notes the Franciscans um, being kind and diplomatic till the end. <laughs> till the very end. Absolutely. So, you know, so now they, they're, they're, he's overwhelmed. Let's face it. I mean, he's got all these people coming around giving them children's kindnesses are you know it's one of the things i always loved about small children is when you go to see them they're always drawing pictures for you and i've had more pictures on refrigerators from not just my own son but from my friends kids so that every time they would come over they would see their pictures or hung on my refrigerator Mm -hmm. um so then they he he went over they went over to the side of the building where they all the older children and and when he was looking at the older children he was kind of um looking at himself at that age and it kind of caught him he because it, it the memory of being uh in a, a a lounge area of sunbury hospital at a vending machine trying to find coins underneath so they could get something out of the machine and you know this was right after his mom died 
And uh, he remembers, if it hadn't been for Grace, his life may have turned out very, very differently. Um, and he, but he, you know, he kind of pushed those memories down. And Julia bent down to greet all the kids at their level, and she was perfectly at ease laughing with them in Italian. So we asked us, sorry, does Gabriel see many of Grace's qualities in Julia? And his response was, I think Julia and Grace are alike in some ways, and Gabriel recognizes that. So after all these introductions were made, and they're in the side yard with the other kids aged 1 through 12, and, and, and the infants that some of the staff brought out, um, you know, they, they, they party was beginning. Now, he had wanted to get a petting zoo, but he wasn't able to, so he got a bunch of ponies. And he had like a little, they, they created an area where there was a circuit, so all these kids could go riding. And you can just visualize the way he wrote it. It was really, really good. Very detailed. And yeah. I mean, I, as a kid, I, I always gravitated mm -hmm. to ponies. Don't ask why. I just, I think because... The idea of riding a horse, even if it's just a little Shetland pony, was like when you're five years old, it's a big mm -hmm. deal. My mother actually loved horses. It's so funny. That was part of this chapter this week. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So um, there was all kinds of tables with foods and dessert, and there was a pyramid of gifts for the kids. And, um, you know, Gabriel wasn't sure what gift went to what child, and Julie basically had taken care of that by saying that she uh, asked... Elena, what the kids mm -hmm. wanted, and uh, that and that uh, that way each kid got the gift that they wanted with a label with their name on it. So uh, Julie also suggested that he stop frowning because he was uh, fussing a little bit, and uh, with the kids looking at him, he would have thought that she was that uh, they would be scared of him. So. He didn't take likely <laughs> to that. The gargoyle in him did not like Well, that. and Betty said that was cute, Gabriel. But, you know, baby cows are more friendly. So, <laughs> And Shell <laughs> notes that um, Julia got her good qualities from Grace, which I, I think is is true. I think she... I agree some, that. Yeah. Um, or she, she absorbed that. Alina says, I'm thinking saddling up a calf might not be the best idea, Betty. <laughs> and she, Betty notes, nowadays kids want an iPhone, tablets, or video games. Um, that's true. true. But and I, I can tell you as a teenager, <laughs> another chapter for your cows. book, Pam. <laughs> the McCoys had five mm -hmm. cows, and they would be in a pasture. And Mister Mc, when we would have parties over at her house, there was this was a weird weird setup in this neighborhood. And at one point in time, it was a huge estate that had been cut down. Little division. Mm -hmm sections had been cut around yep. this pasture area basically and a little and a garden area with a pool and um one one or two of the neighbors had horses that they kept in this pasture as well and mr mccoy had the cows the milk cows and the chickens which were yeah. <laughs> annoying as hell at five o'clock in the morning but we would have parties and and we'd sneak into the pasture <laughs> to ride the cows um, I can only imagine. I could only imagine. So as Gabriel watched as the children played games, batted the balloons around and blew bubbles, he saw that a dark-haired boy took a shine to Julia. And she was carrying her him around on her hip, wrestling her hair from him and avoiding a slight drool. 
And it hit Gabriel, the realization of Julia being a mother. And he really thought, you know, she, the way she is with these children, she was born to be a mother. She was loving and giving and patient. She was everything his birth mother was not and what Grace had in abundance. She might even be able to overcome his shortcomings, Gabriel thought to himself. To get over his own feelings, he went to the children with the ponies. He helped them get off and on the ponies. And Julia had been right. This was a huge success, as the kids would also feed them and pet them when they were not riding them. So the ponies were the right way to go with this party. So we asked SR, why was Julia so at ease with the children? And we, he responded, um, I'm not an expert. But I think young children sometimes have a real insight into a person's character. Sometimes children gravitate to certain people, even if they don't know them. Maria must be tapping into that kind of intuition. But it certainly surprises Gabriel since she's, since he's had even less contact with children than Julia. So, you know, they say that about uh, pets and animals, too. You know, a lot of times mm -hmm, they can, mm -hmm. there's certain bonding yeah, I think there's a yeah, I think there's a certain innate radar that will that kids and, and animals have that attract will go to certain people. I know Jimmy has a uh, my brother-in-law has a niece who has a small little girl, Caroline. She's adorable. She's like Aww. I think she's 4 now. And like look, look, perfect example last year we my her mom her grandmother and, and her mom decided to have this Mother's Day tea for everybody. Um, her grandmother belongs to a country club, and they were doing a, a Mother's Day thing, so we all went. And little Caroline has her toys, you know, and she's dressed in a nice little dress and little party shoes and what have you. And she's playing with her toys, and all of a sudden she reaches between her legs and pulls her off. <laughs> And, and drops it on the floor. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Anyway, I still do. I said, in fact, I said to her mother, I think maybe it's time for potty oh training. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Too cute. Yeah. So anyway, so, so I, I mean, she does that. So I was at a party at their house for, I think it was... Uh, a graduation party. I don't. I, it was. Mm -hmm. There have been a few parties at this house, and um, so she's standing there, and she's in love with the Wizard of Aww. Oz. Loves the Wizard of Oz. So she made me Glinda the Good Witch and gave me a pen that I could use as a as my wand. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and and I'm and I'm waving this pen above her head, saying, "There's no place like home. oh, There's no place like home." And this little girl she probably loved that so much. Oh, she did. It was just hysterical, though. And I loved it. She wouldn't go in there <laughs> with my brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so great. Yes. So, anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't no, know. no, I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's good. We actually, um, you know, it just it captures the spirit of the chapter, really when you think about it right. and yeah. um, 
Betty said, you know, Gabriel, just because Julia is good around children, it doesn't mean she's ready to be a mother just yet. Just because Julia eats meat doesn't mean she wants to have a cow farm. <laughs> Betty. Oh, Betty, you're priceless. So, <clears throat> so when it came out time to hand out um, presents, Gabriel went behind the table with Julia, um, the toddler at her hip, and... Brother Silvestro gathered the children and thanked Zia and Zio Emerson for their generosity. They acknowledged politely her, the applause, and then Julia started to hand out the gifts, and Gabriel would have joined her, but a little boy began tugging on his pant leg. This is such a cute part. Gabriel said, ciao. He said hello in Italian, and he also asked how he was, and the boy asked very seriously, are you him? And Gabriel asked whom? And the boy said, Superman. And Gabriel was puzzled by this and then asked why he thought he was Superman. And the little boy said he looked like him and wanted to see a Superman look underneath. And sadly, Gabriel told him he was not wearing a suit today. And then the boy said that he was wearing Clark Kent's glasses. Uh, and of course, Gabriel's surprised by this since his frames were Prada. <laughs> uh, but he didn't have time to think on this more because as soon as he took off his glasses, the boy gasped, it's Superman. He was so convinced that Gabriel was Superman. Gabriel ruffled the boy's head after he put his glasses back on and said what he was not, that though he was not Superman, but Zio Gabriel from America, Tia Julia was his wife. <laughs> and Betty was saying, heck no, he's Batman. Superman would be a lot happier around all the kids, Betty said. <laughs> I think Gabriel was, su That's I true. was surprised, true. surprisingly having a good time. I think, I think the kids surprised him. I think he had more fun with them than he might have. I'm sure. Uh, I, I believe mm -hmm. that may be very well be true. Well, that's not true because he. And I, uh, I, you know, but the uh, I stand corrected because he volunteered there last year, so he he was he kind of knew what they were about. I think he just wasn't sure how the party would go. Right, and, and you know, you, when you don't have kids, yeah, you can always get very true. nervous around kids. But I still think he was very mm -hmm. surprised that they thought he was super. Cute. <laughs> you know, it was super cute. And and I and I and I've I've been told by uh, a certain Canadian author that um, Superman was <laughs> actually Canadian. I have not verified that, so <laughs> I'll take his word for it. Because Gotham City could have been for as well. This is true. I have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Julia continued handing out the presents and smiled over at the group. And one of the boys whispered, Lois Lane. And the first boy said that he recognized her and said, yeah, that's Lois Lane. And Gabriel suggested that he thought of Lo Lo Lois was a little taller. And one of the boys held up a comic book and showed him a picture of Lois Lane. And said, but she cut her hair. <laughs> and that he didn't like it. <laughs> Gabriel really didn't like her haircut either. <laughs> so then a girl comes over Aww. and says, "Can you do tricks?" And when and and 
Gabe was like, you know, what do you mean? And and she said, you know, she said, the mm-hmm. local suggests that he fly, lift something really heavy, um, see through walls. You know, if you remember, for those of us of a certain age that saw mm-hmm. Superman on TV, as opposed to the movie, he, he would have beams that would go right through the wall and you could see what was in the <laughs> other room. <laughs> And I, I, I know that uh, Christopher Reeve did something similar to that, but it's been a long. I, I remember the other one more so than the movie. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> she said that. Uh, she said he couldn't go flying. He said, "You know, it's, I'm super as as Clark Kent. I, I I can't do that." And he says, "But Clark Kent was Superman." So the the boy is, is he says, "I know." <laughs> Gabriel assured him, but adults don't know that, so we have to keep it a secret. <laughs> and so, and that he and, and Lois were there for the party, so he needed them to keep the secret. He also told them that Lois had presents for them, and why don't they go over and get their presents? <laughs> Some were skeptical, and others were <laughs> just went over. <laughs> Yes, and Shell says George Reed. Yes, the, who played yeah. Superman. And Betty said, do you know yes, who's Canadian? James. And he plays Paul. James, and yes. Paul could have Canadian ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Betty, you were hilarious. And she also said, Gabriel can crush I'm... a metal chair whenever he's upset. Just ask the Ikea chair at his former office in Toronto. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, you know, George Reeves and his brother Steve Reeves mm. were the Tarleton twins in Gone with the Wind. Oh. Movie trivia. And also, Steve Reeves played a character similar to Superman, and his name was Hercules. <laughs> and and I, I, I've said this, that I dated a, a guy many years ago by the name of Hercules Bunzel. Yes, I love, yeah. I love that story. <laughs> and when a couple of my co-workers found out that I was dating him, this one, Mike, Mike Dolan, came up to me and he says, you know, there's a movie about him and Steve Reeves is Hercules in chains. <laughs> <laughs> And it's the worst. It's one of those horrible B movies, gladiator movie uh-huh. type things that you know that are so much fun to watch when you've got mindless nothingness yes. out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my trivia question for to or quick uh, lesson for today. <laughs> George and Steve Reeves were in Gone with the Wind as the Tarleton Boys. <laughs> I love that, Pam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Julia was half listening to what was being said, and she looks over and she mouths Superman. <laughs> and he nodded, and he said he'd been called many things in, in his years but Superman. And he didn't want to admit to himself that she would be a fine Lois Lane. And then, of course, his, the gears in his head were going, and he wondered if there was a costume or not. <laughs> <laughs> and Florence... And other naughty thoughts were going through his head. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
when uh, someone's eyes were peering at. <laughs> so, and um, as, we, we asked you know, SR if uh, Gabriel was Gabriel surprised to be called Superman, and was Julia surprised by Gabriel's reaction to the kids calling him Superman? And he said, I thought Tosca did a good job of bringing the children's party to life. And yes, I think Julianne was surprised the children likened Gabriel to Superman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think it was, I loved that part. I loved the fact that he threw that in there. Um, mm -hmm. I just thought that was so much fun. <laughs> And Elena. No, and Elena. <laughs> no, I never dated Superman. Although my cousin Helen was a Reiki healer, and she was connected with Sloan Kettering. And when Dana Reeves was going through her cancer battle, she was part of the alternative side of of the holistic approach that they were taking in her. Aww. So she would go do Reiki with her. And there was a PBS special around that time about Dana Reeves' journey through her cancer battle. And my, my cousin Helen was featured in one of the episodes oh. of one part of it. <laughs> but no, I never dated Superman. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and Shell notes, Gabriel can also burn through your soul with a disapproving glare in one of his lectures. Uh. <laughs> Another... And the right bra size. <laughs> yeah, Betty's and Gabriel's other talents coming up with the right bra size measurement by just staring at Julia's chest. And Shell notes that is a great scene, which it is. And, you know, as, as they finish handing out the presents, there's a small little blonde girl, fingers in her mouth, staring up at Gabriel. He said, ciao, tesoro, tesoro, as he looked down at her. She took her fingers out of her mouth and extended her arms up to him. And he didn't recognize the uppy me of childhood language. So Julia said she, she's asking the man of steel to pick her up. So as he did, she smiled and the fingers went back in her mouth. And Julia met Gabriel's eyes with a long look. And then she patted the little girl on her back and returned to the gift table. Little Maria does not speak English or does not speak as Elena came over to them. And shared that news with him. She reached out to her and pushed a lock of blonde hair behind her ear. Elena told Gabriel that she was normally shy and avoided strangers. Um, so Gabriel had asked how old she was. And Elena said she's three. But she's been with them for about a year and has not spoken. Gabriel's told there had been much too much trauma that needed uh, that she had dealt with. And she needed a family. Um, and he held her a little bit closer um, because he knew she had been gone, had gone through quite a bit. Um, Betty said, little Maria is thinking, you fools. Can't you see this is Batman and that is Catwoman? <laughs> Shell, Shell notes that they are kindred souls, Gabriel and Maria. Yes. So yes. Gabriel asked if it was difficult to find families to adopt the children. And Elena asked if Maria was having a good time. And she nodded yes and pointed at the ponies. And, uh, you know, Elena said, yes, it is difficult. Um, mm -hmm. And 
El Elena offered to take Maria to the ponies, but Gabriel said he would do it. And he carefully placed her on the pony and she clutched his mane and Gabriel walked with them as they did the circuit. All the while thinking about how his life could have turned out very differently. He was not an orphan. He did have a family, thanks to Grace and Richard. They had opened their home to him. And while his darkness did not go away, he found himself grateful for the hope that had shown on him. And he vowed he would share that hope with others somehow. Um, so we asked SR, did Maria go to Gabriel because she thought he was Superman? And SR said, I'm not an expert, but I think young children sometimes have a real insight into a person's character. Um, and I think we did cover this point. Sometimes children gravitate no, to certain yeah. people, even if they don't know them. And Maria was tapping into that kind of intuition. And it definitely surprised Gabriel on that fact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the fact that there was trust put into Gabriel and Julia being from all the caregivers and the staff um, at the orphanage. So I think that and really, you know, she had a bit more trust because the people she trusted, trusted them. Um, now we, we also have, all, uh, Kenzie has joined us. Hello. Good morning, Kenzie. And how are you today? Um, she, she wanted to know, was Julia Lois Lane? <laughs> I don't think she was right then, but I thought she would be after the visit to the costume shop in Florence. <laughs> that is true. That's our so cheeky that when he wrote that. That is true. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes role playing can be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, gosh. Pam, is this another chapter for your book? I, I All I'm saying is that role playing can be fun. <laughs> yes, it can be. <laughs> and Betty notes that Betty, Maria says she loves beautiful things and people that she does and they are and Elena said good morning to you Kenzie as did Le Leslie and said, good morning yeah <laughs> and this is where uh, we ended um, this part of the chapter for now um, yeah. the party scene. And I do agree with SR. It was really beautifully shot. Uh, I think that was such a beautiful scene and the expression. I think, uh, Julio and Melanie did a beautiful job portraying, uh, Gabriel and Julia in that scene. What fun they must've had shooting that scene. Yeah, especially because I remember when we were in, in Syracuse, Julio with um, Tosca's kids, and how like he was he was rough out. Oh with them, yeah, uh, behind the scenes. Boy, and Julio stuff. is wonderful with children. I mean, that was magical. Absolutely, to see. Um, mm -hmm. it really was. Absolutely, it's it so beautiful, and you know that came through. He, he channeled that in the in that scene that they shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Betty, bet the kids would love Theo Paul. 
<laughs> Julia was glowing in that scene, Kenzie notes, and I agree. Yeah. He really has, Absolutely. he really loves children and it's just comes through. It really does. And, and I think, and I, and I think too, I think Tosca has a love for children as well. I mean, you know, I, she wanted them enough that she had two of her own. Right. And who were also in the scene. But, um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a certain amount of, of love and togetherness that you get with that. So Exactly. And it comes through. It did come through. And for someone who is who's not so experienced with children, as as stated in his response to a question, um, he did very well. Sr wrote, wrote it very well. Yeah. And, and Elena noted that I wanted to sit in on Gabriel's discussion of Dante with the children. Yes, I would love to have heard that. And Elena noted that well, Julia's they're, they're, posts they're, with his little niece are always very sweet. When it's true, they are. They are. Well, the, I can tell you that um, SR pointed this out to me a number of years ago when I was trying to figure out what to what to get um, my granddaughter involved in. There is like a Bass Rankin cartoon movie or stop action that is Dante. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, which is so funny. It really gets deep into that. Yes, <laughs> it can get deep into that. So. so anyway, next week, um, we are not going to be podcasting next week. Uh, next week, I am taking uh, Mare and her uh, friend Carl and Carl's mom. We're going to New York Um for an art show. It's called the Outsiders Art Show, and it's at the Metropolitan Pavilion on 18th Street in New York City. So, I, so I'll be there on Saturday. It'll be so much and, fun. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we'll be back the following week and finish off this chapter. And then on the 16th um, is SR's visit to go over the Lenten reading. Yes. And... Will we be? Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have gotten through chapter two. <laughs> I have to see how much more uh, there the is. The ten part mini series. Uh, and then, um, you know, and then of course, Passion Con. So we'll and we'll be broadcasting from there. As yeah. Well. So it's going to be a so. fun-filled march, fun-filled. and we can't forget. Mm-hmm. I although SR will be on to discuss the Lenten reading, but we will have a nod. Um, to Acacia's birthday as well, because Acacia's birthday is St. Patrick's Day. Absolutely, and so there may be a little bit of pre-gaming at the uh, podcast with us on <laughs> for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, we could figure Possibly it out. Possibly by correcting coffee, by correcting <laughs> coffee or something. Yes. But in any event, so... And I, I wish everybody that wasn't going from here that could be going uh, to Passion Con as well because it's this group is so much fun and and as both Leslie and I have said it is a loving loving group and um, it's you know it, it, we we love getting together with you guys on Saturdays and interacting in the community so it really has been a uh, godsend. Truly, 
yes, to have so much love. I, and I have gotten messages from all over the globe, which is just astounding to me. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. And uh, I'm sending all my strength to you getting through this week, Leslie, um, with Friday being the funeral and having to prep for that and everything is, it's not always as easy as it seems <laughs> on paper. So much love and thank you. I appreciate every yeah. single one of you. And I'm really grateful you have helped me through and are helping me through this really hard time. And I am very fortunate to be able to have a little respite at Passion Con later in March. So, yeah, yeah. And it'll be yes. good for you. And Elena, thank you. She so. said, sending hugs, and you'll get one in person at pa Passion Con. So, thanks. So, yeah. So, I am going to leave us today with uh, a little. I, this is from uh, Pirates of, of uh, the Caribbean, oh. the Black Pearl. So you you all have a great week, and we will two see weeks you in two weeks. Take care, and thank you.